0: Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Serial Seller. I'm here with the absolute hero when it comes to sales and leadership, the one and only Tony Hughes. Tony, welcome to the show.
1: Tony, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: absolutely. my absolute pleasure. I've been following you for, for many years. I'm a massive, massive fan of your work, and, uh, and we're going to you know, talk a lot about your methodology and, and your books etc but before we go on could you just share with us a little bit to the audience a bit about your background and, and how you got to be where you are as a, as a sales leader
1: yes I'm gonna sound old I've, uh, I've been in business and professional selling for 35 years I just turned 58 yesterday That's and how <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I got into sales at the age of 25. I went to America to set up my own company in the States. I ran a manufacturing business yeah. in Australia. and uh, We sold it, I took it to America, and my big lesson in America is that if you can't sell, you are nowhere as an entrepreneur or a mm. business person. Mm. So when I came back, I uh, decided to get a job in sales to learn that skill and yep. have been in sales basically you know, for my life since then. Uh, after continually being lured into sales management and mm. the last uh, probably decade and a half of my professional corporate life, uh, I ran the Asia-Pacific region for North American multinationals as the, as the VP of the region or the CEO here. Um, and about seven years ago, I went out on my own uh, doing sales consulting. Um, mm. I've got two best selling books. One's about how do you win the complex deal? Yeah. And the more recent book is about how do you build sales pipeline because everywhere I go in the world and what I found, you know, when I was a sales professional and leading salespeople, yeah, the number one problem everybody's really got is not how do they win the big deal. They're normally okay ish, you know, with that and they're okay with retaining and growing clients. Mm-hmm. The massive problem, the the abyss that people stare into at the end of every quarter is lack of sales pipeline. Yeah. So uh so I've spent a lot of energy as you do, Tony, you know, yeah. helping organizations build quality top of funnel sales pipeline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What was seven years ago? What was the sort of catalyst for you to go off on your own and, and create the, the sales consultancy and organization?
1: Well, I've, I've always, I've always had a passion for what makes selling work. Mm. Uh, it's a bizarre, weird incredibly tough code to crack for anybody in sales. Yeah. You know, you need to and people say it's a profession and and I guess it is, but you know, what I see with 90% of salespeople is they don't act like professionals at all. Yeah. You know, they don't <clears throat> they don't prepare for meetings well. They don't take notes well. They don't send an agenda before a meeting. They don't update their system of record. Yeah, You know, if, if you were going to jump into a plane and the pilot said, hey, look, I love flying planes, but I'm really not into doing paperwork. <laughs> so I don't, I, don't, I don't really do log books and manifests and, you know, all of, all yeah. of that pe- pesky paperwork. You think, man, I'm not flying with you. Or if you went and saw your doctor yeah. and he said, hey, look, honey, would you like me to try and diagnose what's wrong? Or do you want me to fill in my patient record <laughs> system? Yeah. You no. Know, Surely you don't expect me to do both. You'd go, are you for real? Okay. You're a professional. Like I want you to do both. I come back and see you in six months. If you haven't updated your system of record, you know, my life is at risk. Absolutely. And yet salespeople seem to think it's okay to say that, you know, do, do you want me to sell or do you want me to fill in the CRM? Well, I want you to do both. Yeah. So, you know, or do you want me to close deals? Do you don't want me to prospect. I want you to do both. You are meant to yeah. be a professional, you meant to manage your time. Well, so, for me, I've studied selling my whole life um, yeah. and I'd, I'd written my first book and I, I just thought, you know, my, my kids were, um, were basically growing up, finishing mm. expensive schooling and yeah. I thought, you know what, time to go out on my own.
0: Oh, good for you. And you mentioned earlier about sort of codifying sales and, and I know you created a, a framework, the RSVP sales framework. Can you explain to us and the audience a bit more about what that entails and the methodology, et cetera, behind it.
1: Yeah, so for all of those listening to this, within your own business, you'll typically have an opportunity management uh, tool or methodology that you use. Mm. Some people may have heard things like um, TAS, Target Account Selling, or Miller yeah. Hyman Blue Sheets, um, Art Jacobs Battle Plan. Yeah. Now, there's all of these methodologies for winning or managing uh, big complex deals. What I always found was they've got huge overhead. Yeah. Uh, and the quality of information that goes into them is often not very good and uh, the outcomes aren't great and it just consumes huge overhead. So mm. what I've done is I've distilled down the four elements that really matter and it's, it's these two things and it forms this acronym RSVP. So we mm. need to cover these four areas, relationships, strategy, mm. value creation, process alignment and uh it, you you can run that as a thought process or a conversation in a coffee shop on the on the back of a napkin or a piece of paper mm. or in a boardroom on a whiteboard, or you can do it in, you know, big complex account planning, mm. opportunity planning uh documents. But basically most people are busy selling with the relationships they're comfortable engaging with, not at no. the level they need to. Yeah. Um, so we've got to make sure we've got relationships with the right people. Yeah. We then need a strategy, a strategy for managing those relationships, which is in essence, the politics inside an organization. Yeah. And we need a strategy for dealing with competition. Uh, so that's the first two elements and then the if you think about competition the real competitor all of us face the real mm. one we should worry about is the competitor of do nothing of apathy of status quo yeah and that leads us into the third element of rsvp which is value creation mm. and again most sellers go yeah i've got that you know our value prop and i go no 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 you don't mm. have it at all <laughs> mm. um no one wants a value proposition vomited all over them by a seller yeah um what we need to understand is what's their business case for change? Where's the commercial value that that actually justifies them going ahead? Because between opening a deal and seeking to close a deal is the middle. The middle is where most deals go to die and they they die or stall for two reasons. One is not enough commercial value or not enough, Mm. not a strong enough business case. Mm. And then the other reason deals stall or die or die is a lack of consensus. With all of the people that need to be on board before you know they'll decide that they're yeah. up for some form of change.
0: Yeah.
1: Um yeah, so so how does the client define value? What's their business case? What results are they going to get? Yeah. And then the P and RSVP is process alignment, which also feeds into where do they see their risks, but mm. what's the clients or customers evaluation, selection and procurement process? Yeah. How do they make their their weighted decision yes. around Value for money and risk, especially, yeah. um, because a lot of people seek to close deals when the client's in no position to buy yet, nah. and all they're doing is is damaging trust. Um, and often, often training the client, you know, well about how they can get more discounts out of us. Mm. So yeah, so that that was the RSVP selling methodology. I, I, you know, organizations have won deals in excess of a hundred million dollars. Wow, using using that methodology um so it's used by some big corporates around the world so how did it come Josh about principle book is all about
0: you you, mean, you mentioned obviously you distilled it over, over many years how did how did that sort of those four steps come about
1: well I've, I've worked with all of the big complex methodologies and yeah. and and because they're so time consuming and have so much overhead, I thought. Whether sellers and I'm being facetious here, right? But yeah. whether sellers are lazy or stupid, yeah, um, you know, but like I, I don't know what the reason is that they don't use these very expensive tools that companies invest in because yeah. it's going to help them make their commission check and be successful, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, but maybe it's just that they feel like they're time poor or that they already know, already know it and it's in their head, yeah. But I just find, you know, when you start to say to people, hey draw out the relationships for me in this opportunity you're working Mm. draw these relationships, you know, I know, well, I've got a good relationship deal. Okay. But who does bill report to? Yeah. Um, Who does bill respect in the organization? Mm. Um, Who else would need to be involved? Will legal need to be involved? Will procurement need to be involved? Will IT need to be involved? Will the head of people and culture, you know, need to be involved? Will the CFO need to be involved? Yeah. Um, You know, and, and when you say, okay, who do the, who does this person report to? They don't know. Um, yeah. So you go well, you know who who's got power of veto in the deal. So yeah. the thing I just found was just how do you distill all of this complexity down to, yeah. the, to the ultimate simplification? I, I forget who it was that said this, but they said the ultimate sophistication is simplification. Yeah. So you know you're really sophisticated if you can just make it simple. That's obviously where the world of software is seeking to sure. go. You know, sure. hide the complexity but it's what I've tried to do with sales methodology.
0: No, I love it. And I know, I know a challenge a lot of my clients have had in the past, I don't know, Tony, if you found this, where they're speaking to a, a key influencer. They, they do know the other levels of authority involved in, in the process, but they struggle to get in front of them. What sort of advice can you give where, you know, you want to position yourself in front of all the, all the sort of key players that will be involved in that decision process?
1: Wow, that's great, Tony. And, and and my second book, Combo Prospecting, mm-hmm. is, is about exactly this issue. So the the problem for sellers is they live within this law of delegation. And mm-hmm. the law of delegation is that we are delegated away or down to those sounds like we deserve to be speaking with. Now, that's different to be sponsored, being sponsored down into the organization to help mm-hmm. gather consensus and validate a business case. Yeah. Uh, being delegated away is a bad thing. And the reason we get delegated away is we're not talking the language of leaders. So my Mm -hmm. advice for anybody listening to this is if you would like to elevate your conversations and relationships, whether you're an account manager trying to protect your account, trying to unlock more value for the customer and their relationship with you, Mm -hmm. you need to elevate conversations. If you're a seller, you know, we should really start as high as practically possible yeah. within every organization. Otherwise we end up being blocked by people yes. saying, you know, just give me the information. I'll, I can carry the message and get the decision. And the truth is they can't, they can't sell. People think mm-hmm. salespeople lie. You know, my, my view is that buyers are liars, you know, whether yes. it's deliberate or yes. accidental, but they just, they, they don't, Give us, you know, honest, accurate information. Yeah. So, if you want to talk the language of leaders, what that means is talk about dollars, percentages, and moving the needle uh, on on key result area metrics. Yeah. Uh, the metrics that the CEO and the board care about. Mm. So you've got to you you have to talk about. Dollars, percentages, and key result areas. Yeah, it, it's maybe okay to talk about a KPI, key performance indicator, for that person in their role. Yes, because you're talking about something that matters to them. But but we need to elevate the conversation is the first thing, and we need to turn up with a point of view. Mm. Here's the reality today: um, no one worth getting to that we don't know yet. Yeah, Not one of them is lonely or bored and looking for a new friend. They are busy and stressed. Yeah, they want less less vendors to deal with in their organisation. Yeah, their procurement department and CFO are actively running programs to reduce the number of vendors across categories. Sure. So you know, if we spring from the bushes as a seller, mm. and you know, say, hey, 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 Mike, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you about our company and what we do and build a relationship with you. Yeah, and we don't often say that at all, but that's what they hear, and they're yeah. thinking. I don't have time for any more relationships. Oh, yeah. I don't want a salesperson giving me a pitch. Yeah, If I need something, I'll reach out to my trusted professional network and then I'll jump online. Yeah. And I'll, I'll decide who I talk to. So yeah, that's really the advice. You've got to talk the language of leaders and you must turn up with a point of view.
0: You mm. need a point
1: of view about how you think they could improve results in their role. Yeah.
0: So giving sort of sharing your expertise and giving great value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, that value through their lens, not our lens. Yes. Because again, the way we write as sellers, and the way our marketing um, team t- typically try and educate us, is they're always they're always telling us about you know why our products and services and solutions are all wonderful, yeah, and that clients clients can derive value if they if they do business with us, yeah. Well, for the salesperson, before we ever get to have those conversations, before we ever can get there. We need to first provide value in the initial conversation for the buyer around what others in their industry are doing now, yeah. we never will never want to come across as if we betray the trade secrets of one competitor to another sure'd sure. never call up Pepsi and say, "Hey, we work with coca cola let me come and tell you what they 're doing you would never yeah. do that but if you call someone up in the in the legal um, um, uh, industry and say yeah. hey we, we work with a lot of law firms and one of the common things I'm seeing is this. Um, I, I've got some ideas on how I think you could improve. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know, and, and whatever that key metric is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, and, and that's how you'll get them to lean in and you'll, you know, you'll get to begin a good conversation. So if no, you provide a point of view or perspective that they regard as having some value, Yeah. now you're starting to build a relationship um, based on the fact that you're providing value and earning it.
0: No, that's fantastic. What that? I know you've been in sales you know, for over 30 years now. What would you say if there was sort of one sales mantra that you, 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 know, you live by, what would that be?
1: Um, I'll, I'll make it twofold. The, the okay. thing is that um, all of us in selling, in my view, need to truly believe that it's all about making a positive difference in the customer's life, both mm-hmm. personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, it's not about us making a quota, crushing the competition, you know, driving away in our Porsche with our big commission check. Yeah, you know, it's it it, it it's not about us, you know, and, and that was my big epiphany in selling is, it's actually not about me. Yeah, um, and mine uh, to actually make the number. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really about the customer and their problem or opportunity.
0: Mm. Mm, I love that. And what was you said? There were two parts.
1: Oh, so that so that was the second part. So, okay. so the first thing, selling is selling's about making a positive difference. Yeah, and, and and the other part of that is it's all about the customer. It's not yeah. about us. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And I think something you said earlier, so key is, are you looking through your customer's lenses? I think so many sell people that I work with, it's all about their perspective, their viewpoint, not about the person that we're getting to buy from us, right?
1: Yes, and Tony, the thing that's incredible is. Um, when you look at the research that's done on win-loss reviews, yeah, uh, there's someone I'd really recommend you also get on the podcast. His name okay. is Kean McLaughlin. Okay. Kian McLaughlin. And, yeah. and he is, is the best person on the face of the planet in win-loss reviews. And Kian's, uh goes in to find out why companies really won or lost the deal. And he does it independently and gets to the truth. So I won't steal this under you should get him on the show. But mm. uh, the, the, the thing that's amazing is, is when you go and talk to buyers, Yeah. they say, do you know what, all of those shortlisted vendors all look pretty much the same. Mm. You know, they they all had their quadrant analyst reports that said they're a leader. Mm. They all claim they've got the best people and the best product. And they've all been around for a long time. And mm. they've won these awards. And you know everybody really looks the same. Mm. Um. But when you get to, you know, why they select that winning vendor at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it really comes down to, do you know what? We went with this company because they took the time to truly understand us. Um, and based on that and the fact that we felt there was good cultural fit, yes. we felt that they, they were the lowest risk option for us actually getting the business outcome yes. that we're committing to internally in spending this money. Yeah. So you know, we we just had the highest level of confidence that these people could actually deliver for us. Wow. You know, so yet so many sellers focus on product features and functions and awards yeah. and and company brand. Credentials, you know, it's not that those things aren't important, but they're, yeah. but they're really a ticket to the dance. They're, they're, they're not the thing that's going to make the difference at the end of the night.
0: And I have a really good point. I'm definitely going to reach out to Kenny. Something I suggest to my clients is when, when you lose a deal, you know, and, and let's say it's a, a six-month cycle, get one of your colleagues to phone on your behalf to really get under the, the truth of why they didn't choose you. But equally, when you win a piece of business, you know, learn. And, and, and say to that, say to the customer, if not straight my ego, I want to learn. why did you decide we you the right fit for you? I think it's invaluable.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll love the conversation with Keegan. He's got some amazing yeah. insights and everybody mm-hmm. listening to this will get a lot out of it. No, fantastic. And I
0: know you've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of salespeople now in, in, in your journey, not only in the last seven years, but probably from, from all your previous expertise. What would you say... If you could break it down into the characteristics, what would you say makes a genuine top sales performer in your opinion? Uh,
1: is this in the context of a good hunter? You know, someone who can win new name? Yes, yeah, maybe, maybe both. Maybe do a hunter and a farmer if you, if you split it okay, into so, two sides. So, look, it's a bizarre set of skills and attributes and, and, and mindset that you need to be successful Mm. But in, in essence, uh, if, if you're going to be someone that's going to, you know, um, catapult over the ramparts, you know, into mm. the castle and win, <laughs> mm. um, you know, you, you, you have to have a personality where yeah. you're very driven. So yeah. you must be a driver, you know, all those different personality profiling yeah. tools use different language, but you need to be a driver personality.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you've got to be incredibly driven and determined. You need to be smart. You know, you can't be dumb and make it in sales today. So you need sure. high, high IQ. Yeah. You need a driven personality. You need high EQ. You know, you have to be yes. very self-aware. you yeah. good at working with people and reading all of the nonverbal things yes. that go on and, and manage politics. The, the more you move into big corporate and enterprise and government yeah. selling, the, the more there's politics.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you, need, you need good business acumen. Yeah, um, But let me give you the trait that no one really talks about, but but it is essential today. You need good TQ, what I call technical quotient. Uh-huh. If you don't have the ability to leverage technology today, you're in the yeah. process of becoming extinct within your own profession. That's a really good point,
0: actually. That's a huge point. Yeah. More and more now with everything is becoming automated. Technology is key to, to, to help facilitate any salesperson.
1: I love that. yeah i mean you know like if you look if you look at a seller operate you know most of them struggle to use their own crm effectively yeah but in the context of building pipeline
0: yeah
1: if you say to somebody hey have you got sales navigator linkedin sales navigator yeah. oh yeah i've got that great show me how you use it show yeah. me your saved searches yeah. build, build me a search right If 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 you were if you were Going to go to Bristol next week, and you wanted to target these types of companies. Yeah, show me how you would use Navigator to find them, and then find those bio personas. Yeah, um, you know that, that you deal with. Yeah. Most people look at you like like they're a deer in the headlights, <laughs> and sure. that's a very expensive tool. You know, it's not cheap. Yeah, One companies provide the people, and and they don't need they they don't know how to build a Boolean search. Yeah, for, for example. Um, yeah. you know on 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 the internet. Um the concept of trigger events, you know, um I won't get into this, it's a whole nother conversation, but mm-hmm. trigger events are the most powerful thing in the world for a seller because mm-hmm. they provide context for, for a conversation. Do you um, just, one, do you, one make one you tr- trigger events? You yeah. have to use technology well.
0: And do you mean so I understand what you mean by trigger events? Things like I use people alerts to tell me what's going on in my client's world and and my prospects in my hit list, like in their world. Is that the same sort of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, let, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, let's imagine, because everyone listening to this knows what CRM software is. Let, let's, yeah. let's imagine that you're a CRM software rep, yeah. um, and you're working in the mid-market, and you think, do, do you know what? Businesses, I'm thinking about my ideal customer profile, because everyone mm-hmm. should have clarity about ICP, and then know their buyer personas. So I think yeah. about ideal customer profile. I'm looking for businesses that are moving from startup to scale-up, yeah. I think, okay, so what, what would happen out there in the world that I could monitor for that, that would tell me that someone's moved from startup to scale up? Because that's a trigger event. Yeah. What's happened is that they've just raised a bunch of money yeah. and they've got investors and a board that, that need confidence about yeah. these aggressive revenue growth targets that the owner of this startup has, has promised. Yeah. Right. So, and so, so the trigger event is a Series A capital raise. Yeah. Right. So you think, okay, anyone who does a Series A capital raise, I can then call them and say, hey, John, congratulations on the Series A capital raise. Yeah. That's a monumental feat. Hey, I was wanting to get together with you because I've got some ideas on how you can de-risk the aggressive growth targets that you've got Not and in a way where you can give real confidence to your investors and board. When can Not we it. find 40 Minutes? Yeah, we've talked about your CRM product. Yeah, but and you've 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 absolutely nailed the thing that's keeping that person awake. Literally, you know, they've yeah. just raised all this capital. Yeah, and now they're on the hook by this crazy level of growth they're promising. How do they take the risk out of achieving that, and how do they keep their investors and boards um, ha- happy and having confidence in them? Yeah, so that's an example exactly. of a great event now. You know, so you so there's tools that you can use to because would never, if anyone does a Series A capital raise, yeah. it's always announced. Yeah. So you'd use the internet as your trigger event database and notification engine Brilliant. to let you know what's happened. Yeah. And you then go some just pragmatic research and LinkedIn. I'll just give you one other. If you were an account manager, yeah. New new senior people into roles, mm. either departing or coming in your organization. Yeah, are massively important trigger events. If a supporter of yours leaves the company they work for and goes somewhere else,
0: yeah, absolutely. You,
1: as the account manager, should put a lead in your CRM for a seller to contact them and congratulate them and say, Hey, we love working with you at ABC company. Uh, Would love to understand what you're trying to achieve at XYZ or XYZ company. Um, You know, can can I buy you coffee? Now they already know you, right? So they're probably typically happy to do that. But the person that replaces them is a massive yeah. risk. Yeah. If they worked with a competitor, that competitor rep will follow them in. Yeah. And then once you've built the relationship with them, there's a third domino effect in trigger events here. Once you've built the relationship, mm. you can say, hey, with the company that you came from, would it make sense for us to go and have a conversation with them? Do you think we could help them? Can you give me some Love, it. Love so, it. so that's kind of a referral now into that other organization. So one trigger event. You know, helps you manage a risk and find two opportunities. Yeah. So that's an example of bigger events.
0: Love it. No, that's phenomenal. That's absolute gold for anyone listening to this. What would you, what, what's what, what would you say the best sales advice you've ever been given?
1: Uh, it's not about you, Tony. It's about the customer. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first thing. The, the next piece of sales advice that I wasn't given, but I learned yeah. when I got into sales, I was horrible at it. Um, but, I, but I asked my boss, what are the metrics? What are the input activities, input yeah. metrics that create success? Yeah. So you know, so so how many phone calls? How many meetings? How many presentations? How many proposals? Like, Mm -hmm. what are the numbers that end up resulting in revenue? Like, I know my revenue target is. What are the input metrics? Yeah. And then whatever they were, I went times one point five because I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not as good as others. Yeah. And I don't want to scrape in making quota. I want to overachieve. I want to take the risk and stress out. I don't mind hard work. So the big thing I learned was work ethic is everything. So, yeah. so, you, so you can't be stupid. <laughs> yeah. You can't have no EQ. Yeah. You can't be no good with technology. But the thing is you also have to work hard. And what I find is I go onto sales floors. I work with lots of big global organizations around the world, mm. including in the UK. Mm. I go into, I'll always go onto the sales floor early. I'll be on the sales floor by 8 a.m. And I just work quietly in the corner to get yeah. a sense of the culture. I don't know who I am at this stage often. Yeah, and people, people arrive at 10 past nine, 20 past nine. They open their laptop, have yeah. a big skim of things. Then they go off to the kitchen and make coffee, have yeah. a laugh. Half of them leave the office and go for another coffee at a local coffee shop. Yeah. Then they come back and they think, Oh, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm imagining what they're thinking. <laughs> you they know, gee, you like, I should probably make a few calls, you know. Yeah. So they, it's they, cool they, they spend, about, <laughs> spend about you know, 20 to 40 minutes making some calls. Yeah, and the truth is they're doing enough to not feel guilty. They're yeah. not doing what it actually takes to be successful. And yeah. if you want to get, if you want to get to senior people start early cause they start early. Right? Yeah. So in my view, sellers need to be back on the phone. There's, there's a dangerous lie that's being pushed by people, mm. some of them in the UK mm. about social selling, you know, no one answers the phone. It's all yeah. about social. Yeah. Let me tell you, all about the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, I've I, I look. I've got half a million followers in social. I've got three hundred and fifty thousand followers in LinkedIn. Yeah. I get leads coming me to link coming to LinkedIn. I've written a book about social selling. Like yeah. I'm a big fan of social selling. Yeah. But if social selling means I'm not going to use the phone, then then it's heresy. It's a yeah. it's a giant mistake. So can agree more. The social selling tool is the phone, and it needs to be at the heart of all that we do. You know, yeah. as well as Twitter and LinkedIn and all of the other things. Yeah. Um, but we need to get back on the phone and be calling people. Every culture is different. Yeah. You know, for you cultures, they do start later and work later, but like yeah. in places like I think, you know, London, Sydney, New York, you know, LA, most Western countries, mm. um, you should be on the phone calling people at quarter to eight in the morning, you know, while it's they're in the car driving to the office or on public transport. And when they're in before the gatekeepers have turned up and before Absolutely. others. No, I couldn't
0: agree more. Nothing, I, I understand there's a place for social selling and, and can obviously we need to use, as you said earlier about TQ, I love that. But nothing, nothing will replace the telephone. We need to still converse and, and, and create those opportunities. And, and you know, yes. so I'm, I'm on your page there. Well, one question I have for you, you know, you, are obviously, I know you've written two books, um, best selling books. What, what be kind of the best selling book or sell podcast, or sell video that you've ever digested and learned from, would you say, all the things you've read or listened to?
1: Um, so let's talk about books. I, You know, there's there's some timeless books that are just, are just fantastic. I'll just go through a few. So, you mm. know, everybody should read Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. Yeah. Um, you know, Neil's a personal friend. He's retired now. Amazing guy. but. His, his book is, by, is, is the result of real research. They yeah. watched 35,000 sales calls over 12 years. Wow. Um, and, and it talks about the, the types of questions that we should be asking because questions yeah. are very important in selling. Yeah. Um, if, if you're looking to displace competitors, and a lot of selling today is really about that, is how do I yeah. displace a competitor? Anthony Ian Norino's book, Eat Their Lunch, you know, is brilliant. He was with me last um, week
0: on my podcast. Great guy.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Anthony's a friend. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you want to think about building sales pipeline, um, my book, Combo Prospecting, mm-hmm. also Mary Lou Tyler's book, Predictable Prospecting.
0: I've not come across.
1: And then, predictable uh, prospecting. Yeah. So Ma- Mary Lou Tyler, T Y okay. L E R. She she is a legend. Really. Mary Lou Tyler's called Predictable Prospecting. I'm more about frameworks and methodologies yeah. and tactics for building pipeline. Mary Lou is all about how do you build this as a predictable process. Okay. So like, how 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 do you go deep and thorough and create incredibly effective sequences yeah um so she, she is brilliant with with building pipeline as a process yeah and then the third book on building pipeline is called fanatical prospecting fanatical oh, prospecting great book by, jeb, by by jeb blunt um, yeah you know he, he he's fantastic uh as far as as far as podcasts go um i'm <laughs> I'm going to be a shameless self-promoter here, but yeah. I've just uh, started a new business in partnership with Luigi Preston Enzi on oh, wow. Sales IQ. And wow. we've got a podcast called Sales IQ. And um, Louis is busy interviewing the best sellers on the face of the planet. Amazing. Um, and it, it's a high quality podcast. Um, yeah. Qantas, you know, which is a respected global airline, uh, yeah. they're playing that podcast uh, on flights now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good podcast. Uh, it's the Sales IQ. Sales amazing. IQ. So if you go to salesiqglobal.com, sales gotcha. you'll find a link to the podcast. Yeah, so, so that's certainly really good as well.
0: And just to, uh, amazing. I thank you so much for all of those. I had Jeb on, on my podcast as well a couple of hours after Anthony uh, last week, which are both amazing guys, inspiring, inspiring sales experts like yourself. What what would you say, just to finish up, Tony, I, I can talk to you all day, what would be your, if you could share your three best sales tips for anyone listening, if you have a golden nugget that, that I'm sure will be in, in probably both your, your books, but what would they be?
1: Yeah, So so my tips are make it all about the customer and not about you. Yeah. Make sure that you generate or create the daily habit. So initially, it's a discipline. Yeah. But then a discipline becomes a habit. Yeah. Create the daily habit of prospecting. Every day of your life, you yeah. have to be prospecting. It's the only way you avoid the white knuckle, roller coaster, you know, pits yeah. and troughs experience of most sellers. So the daily activity of um, prospecting. And then the third thing is learn to nail your narrative most people are having the wrong conversations with prospects right? so i you know i gave you an example of what i'd say to the ceo of a scale-up business if i was yeah. selling crm software yeah like nail nail the narrative um so that so they're really the you know the three key things
0: and what advice have you got when you just to finish on that with nail narrative and your example is fantastic so for, for people listening thinking you know how do I create it? How do I know what's the right narrative to, to be able to open those doors? What, what advice have you got? Well,
1: it's obviously a big topic, and without trying to keep keep plugging my book, but but combo prospecting is is all about that. The first about a third of the book is how do you create the right conversations, Brilliant. Um, like right? But the but but the thing is, the you you need to think about what better business results measurable tangible business results dollars or percentages yeah. do our products services or solutions in inverted commas yeah actually deliver for clients yeah and 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 why do these results matter to different people in their roles yeah so everybody needs clarity about their own product market fit yeah and then I do what does the ideal customer look like You know what's my ideal customer profile my ICP yeah, I
0: like too, yeah. and
1: then and then who are the buyer personas you know who are the five people seven people nine people three people yeah. that i have to get over the line in an organization if i'm doing enterprise or corporate selling but i have to get over the line to win the deal yeah and then what each one of those care about this how mm. does this help them with their kpis for, for mm. them in their role and you don't talk about things that don't matter to them yeah of course right? so so, so you make sure you're having the right conversation. And if you understand those three things, you go, great. So for the head of marketing, this is why we matter to them. There's an opportunity for them. We make them the hero of the story, not us. We don't yeah. say our solutions will deliver these results. You never say that. You say, Hey, look, I I I think you could drive improvements in this area to to this degree. You know, we're yeah. seeing other organizations, you know, go from, from you know, seven percent customer churn down yeah. down to four percent. You know, and, and like I, I, took the liberty of doing a, a back of the envelope calculation. I, I, I yeah. think what that means to your organisation is that's worth some, some, somewhere between one point two and two million pounds. Love it. You know, does that like is, is, is that worth having a conversation about?
0: I love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, Tony, thank you so so much for joining me. I, you know, if, I, I've been I've been jotting down notes. As you've been talking, I've taken away so much in just half an hour with you, um, and I can imagine that the listeners have taken even more. Where, where can, for people listening and obviously want to buy your books and read more about you, where can that the best place for them to go?
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of websites, but um, you, you can find me at salesiqglobal.com. dot salesiqglobal.com. That's where all my Uh, sales methodologies uh, are all going online. Brilliant! You can obviously find me in LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me in LinkedIn. Um, Mm -hmm. So so just search for for Tony Hughes in LinkedIn. I've got a personal website, TonyHughes.com.au.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Tony. Once again, absolute honor and and a privilege to have you as a guest. And uh, thank you so much for giving up your time and sharing some incredible content with, with my readers. Thanks, Tony. It's a pleasure, thank you.